is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Andy Einhorn, and we cover so much from his early inspirations of piano in elementary school to treating others the way you want to be treated, the concept of a guest conductor and what it means to him, and how nothing is gained by being upset. We also talk about his extensive resume, uh, touching on Hello, Dolly! and Carousel on Broadway and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Andy Einhorn. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe. And today with me on Zoom is Andy Einhorn. Andy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. There's so much I want to talk about. Quite a resume. I, I promise I won't make you list all the credits and all the people you've worked with. Before we get to that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I always somehow knew that I wanted to conduct on Broadway. <laughs> okay. And I remember from an early age, I, I fell in love with music and theater at a very early age i was at i grew up in texas in houston and I, I remember so vividly the exact moment that i knew that i wanted to play piano i was sitting in, in the music room at my elementary school watching the elementary school music teacher play piano and bless her heart she was not a, a gifted pianist but she did have the love and the passion for music. And I just remember being in awe of watching her hands on the keys and her feet on the pedals. And there was something about the combination of watching that and hearing what was coming out of the instrument. And I so vividly remember coming home and saying to my mother, I want to take piano. And she said, well, okay, but if we buy a piano and you don't practice, we're going to Hawaii and we're selling it and going on vacation. <laughs> and, uh, but but from there and from performing in shows at an early age, I just fell in love with theater. And I, I really do recall sitting in shows in Houston at Theater Under the Stars and the person that I watched was the conductor. I was just so in awe of watching with the, with the down light on them down front for the overture and watching somebody conduct. And it just felt electric to me. And I understood exactly in that moment what that job was to be the conduit between what was happening on stage and the audience. And something about that really just... <clears throat> Flew into my heart and I, I fell in love with it. I sort of dabbled for a long time in the idea of performing, um, but in the back of my mind, uh, conducting and music directing was always there. So then in high school, uh, I... <laughs> I I sadly played piano better than the high school music choir teacher who was the music director. So I vividly recall moments of being on stage in numbers and then I would go off stage and for the numbers that I wasn't in, I would go to the orchestra pit and play no and then way. go back. On stage. <laughs> you know, it was sort of a one-stop shop situation. Oh my goodness. But what? it really was that. And it really, for me, it actually was a very vivid moment. I mean, a friend of mine just asked me yesterday, what was this exact moment? So it's funny that we're having the same conversation now. 
That's that's hilarious. What did your um what did your mother teach you about kindness? Oh, still teaching me. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Aren't we always learning? Yes, we um, are. <laughs> you know, look, I, I I was thankfully raised by two people who very much instilled me with a good head on my shoulders and really the basis of understanding that through kindness and through uh, teaching others and treating others well, that's really the best gift that we can pay it forward. I mean, I remember just growing up and it was the golden rule, treat others as you would do unto yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, I... uh, I hope that every day I do the best and and continue to promulgate that idea because I think we we are living in such turbulent times at the moment where kindness goes a long way. And I think especially in the arts, we do something that is so utterly subjective. Mm-hmm. And I often say that when we're in the room, it's it's hard. A lot of opinions and thoughts are being thrown around. But if if we can all come with grace and lead with kindness then then things get better and and i i feel like as as we i say we the metaphorical we myself included as i mellow as i get older i've had experiences that have taught me to mellow over the years i i still remember that that at the end of the day it's worth treating everybody with kindness i spend a lot of time uh conducting orchestras around the country Hmm. and It's such an interesting thing because the term is called guest conductor. And and I think there's sort of a slight misnomer in in that term because you actually think of it this way. You're saying, okay, here's your 70 musicians. Let's just throw out uh, two orchestras that I love. Cleveland Orchestra, Philadelphia Orchestra. These are two of the best orchestras in the country they have a regular music director yeah i am lucky to be able to come in and conduct them so in that sense i am a guest but at the same time what's being asked of me is to get up on the podium and to lead as though i am in charge but the reality is i'm in charge for those two and a half hours at that very moment or for the two and a half hours in which I'm having a rehearsal. And I think if anything, that's been such a humbling but beautiful education for me to really learn the art of of communicating with people and leading with grace, leading with kindness, being able to say, this is who I am. I'm learning who you are. Let's all communicate together and come come together and synthesize and make great art together. And through generosity through kindness through understanding that we all come into any situation on any given day with what we're bringing from how we woke up in the morning to how did our workout go to oh the lunch I ate didn't agree with me all of these things it magnified that times then 70 people in that room and everybody's collective energy existing. It's important to be able to read that and to be able to focus and understand that at the end of the day, it has to be through kindness. And listen, I try my hardest every day and I don't succeed. 
every day. I don't, but but if but I like to think that I can start from that place. It's definitely a practice. <laughs> it is, and it's a, a constant reminder because external forces are not always easy to make that choice right up at the front. You know, what's the what's the great saying? Uh, you sort of, you don't know somebody else's baggage when you are introduced to them. And, you, you, you know, compassion goes a long way. Well, when you have so many humans involved, <laughs> like playing in an orchestra and conducting, there's error is bound to happen. It's human. It's just human. Do you have a, a self-talk or like a mantra, you know, when you find yourself getting a little uppity so to speak to just bring it back down or to continue with that kindness is there any conversation you have with yourself it's interesting because i'm actually in a situation right now that is teaching me a lot um <laughs> i grew up as an only child um but but i think to many they're often surprised when they find that out because i did have parents who instilled humility uh in me in terms of you know recognizing that all life is not fair not everybody's going to receive the same opportunities and it requires luck it requires talent it requires hustling and it requires failing at times um you know right now i'm in a situation where i'm working with a group of performers who are all incredibly talented but several of them are not really stage creatures and i'm having to sort of dig deep into my resources of understanding and and communicating with with actors and trying to teach them that and man there are some days that it is incredibly difficult but 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 actually to answer that i think the thing i'm learning the most is and the thing that quells that, that sort of rising, <laughs> yeah, I sort of like imagine that Wiley e. Coyote thing where you just see the the tension getting more more and more taut as he's hitting the the um, the anvil. Um, the thing that I'm finding that's stopping that the most is what is to be gained by reacting in a negative way. And it sort of stops you when you think about it, because at the end of the day, my number one job is to be an educator, but also to be educated. So so that constant sort of flow of energy is really interesting to me. And so yesterday I was dealing with a situation where I literally felt like if I had had a brick wall in front of me, I would have needed sutures from hitting from hitting my head so hard on this wall because I was like, I am not getting through. Yeah. It is just not getting through to this person. And inside, I just feel myself almost checking out or becoming numb to it. But I kept a smile on my face. Mm. And, I, and at one point, I, I felt that rise. And I was like, okay, there is nothing to be gained by snapping right now. I need this person on my side and I need to be able to keep going. And so for my own mental sanity, what it is, is it's a process of remembering nothing is gained by getting upset. Yeah. That really will only, that will really will only domino towards making the rest of my day difficult. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, like, 
it, it's not going to really affect him because or her uh, or them, because in that situation, that particular individual is going to react to that moment. But I'm going to be the one that has actually created that. Mm-hmm. And then I have to live with the repercussions of that throughout the rest of the day. So it was interesting when I reminded myself of that yesterday, a lot turned around and then the rest of the day seemed manageable. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a whole new problem you have to deal with, which isn't even the original cause of the situation that you want to solve. So it's like, there you go. you're creating too there much. You go. Too it, much it's, it's a vicious cycle yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. but I think it's, it's hard because if anything, I think a lot during the pandemic, I, I like to laugh that, um, between my other half who you got to interview, like if you looked at the pre-pandemic times, I always felt like the incredibly high strung one and he was very calm. And somehow in the middle of the pandemic, I looked at him and I said, oh, somehow we've switched places because there was a lot during the pandemic that was just a life lesson of, there's only so much that we can do right now. We can really only, you know, I, I always think, we can only change how we react to something. We can't necessarily change somebody else. We can only change our reaction to a situation. So knowing that what is worth getting our shackles (laughs) raised, look, it, it, it naturally happens. Okay. Like we're people, we have emotions, we have tempers, like things are being thrown at us. Things happen to loved ones. We react to the outside world constantly it's always there there's always going to be something but internally if we can constantly go back to that equilibrium i mean just the other day with my mother i was you know battling something and you know she was like well you get more bees with honey you know (laughs) it's not going to be worth getting upset about something yeah Is there a, and you might've just answered this question, or maybe there's another one. Is there a project to date that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant about a significant amount about yourself? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, that's, that's a really interesting question. I, I can't necessarily pinpoint one project per se, but I can definitely tell you that I like to sort of think of each project as a different stone in a in a babbling brook of sorts. And you know, look, I I've been very fortunate that I wanted to conduct on Broadway and by age 28, I was conducting on Broadway. And, you know, then I did Hello Dolly when I was 35 or 36. And, you know, look, those are seminal career moments, but they're just events uh, dotted along a timeline, essentially. And I, I still think that because of many of the artists that I get to work with who are at the top of their game, I I constantly seek the idea of learning from people. And uh, 
So, you know, look, if you were to ask me about a specific question, a uh, project, I could definitely say this is what I learned doing this project. I, I, I think my evolution during my Hello Dolly slash carousel years was really transformative because I felt the biggest shift in my position as artist slash human through that because of... Uh, well, you can do the research of who I was working for at the time. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone listening knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, but and look, I I deeply respect the person, and it was not an easy an easy journey, but it certainly taught me a lot about myself and my constitution and what it is that I believe in as an artist and and how how art functions and and what our purpose is because the the cold reality is when we hit march of 2020 all of us in this form of live entertainment were suddenly stripped of our quote value or what it is that our <clears throat> what our livelihoods are and a lot of identity being wrapped up in that can be troubling and difficult. Mm. And it wasn't until late in 21, the live performance returned. And through this entire period, I think it's sort of this unspoken statement, but I don't think I'm saying anything that isn't true, but the world continued on. Broadway just happened to be dark, and unfortunately, we were without it during that period, but there was a world that continued on. Mm -hmm. And just as we say of anybody in a room, we're all replaceable. Well, suddenly that idea was replaceable. We were all creating content on Zoom, uh, you know, staring at a little green dot or editing videos or sending out instructions that say, hold your iPhone this way when you do it. Make sure your audio settings are this way. Just the other day, I was on auditions that are still happening on Zoom. So we've grown, we've evolved, we've shifted what we're doing based on what has been thrown at us. But the general idea is that for this X period, the art form that we knew was laying dormant and it really forced us to look at it did anything become more important to you during that time sure the reality of that the reality of it, we can't wrap ourselves entirely in what it is that the art is doing there are many friends who i have who just sort of sat out waiting waiting for the storm to pass i had many friends who said this is not for me anymore. I can't do this. I need to go find something else. And they moved away from the city. Priorities shifted here. It became a moment of really trying to find solace and trying to find any sort of understanding of what that moment meant. For so many people, I kept hearing them say, oh, this is such a great moment to just be able to recharge. I hope that when we come back to real life that we're, you know, real life. Well, I hope that when we return, we can hold on to the schedule. Well, 
now we are wrestling with that. We are wrestling with how do we maintain some of the calm and the stasis that we understood that can exist when one starts looking at time as a different continuum. How do we speak up for our needs? Just the other day in the room, I said, I cannot do five 11 hour days in a row. I just won't do it anymore. And that's my way of sort of self-preservation in that moment, because I think what we've gotten so used to was we were on a, on a hamster wheel and we were going and going and going and burnout was a real thing and nobody wanted to talk about it. And then suddenly you're forced into a period of just a sudden shift you know, it was like somebody pulled the emergency brake and the thing just completely comes to a grinding halt. And wasn't that in some way refreshing and beautiful? And, you know, I I longingly go back to the days when I would just go for two, three hour walks every single day just to clear my head, because there was something very satisfying about that. And it, it you know, I often joke that the Europeans really have it figured out, you know, when they take their siesta in the afternoon, or I have friends in Australia who say, you know, if you're working a job, you acquire vacation time, and they force you to take that off. It, there's, it, it doesn't roll ahead. You either take it or you lose it. And there's something, you know, the arts have always been given this slightly, you know, special dispensation for being a different thing than corporate America where you're doing nine to five and you leave the job. But I do think that what we can do is find a healthy balance um, and really be able to uh, understand that every job, you know, look, some jobs you work, the stress will always be there. Um, The stakes are different, but some jobs, if you can find the way where when you walk out of the rehearsal room or out of the theater at the end of the day, if you can leave it behind, great. Mm. Let that be the triumph in that moment. Let that be the thing that you'll be able to say when I go to bed, I'm not worried about that anymore. Mm. Um, and again, <laughs> you know, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure that out for myself. And I, I think the the flip side of this whole discussion is being okay with that and being okay with knowing that we're all still in process and still in evolution and 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 being okay to speak up and express our needs right now. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>